Yes, Lord, you are indeed holy, holy, holy. Yes, Lord, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, Lord, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. You are everything, Lord, that we need. Help us, I pray thee, to truly commit ourselves to you in all that we do, in all that we say, that you, Lord God of hosts, will be glorified. Thank you for this opportunity tonight as we come together as your people who are called by your name. Lord, I pray that you will indeed receive our worship this evening. And Lord, as we look into your word, you promise us that your word will not return unto you word, but it will accomplish that unto which you have sent it. Lord, it's your word. You send it to hearts tonight. And we will be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, because it's to you, O Lord. All honor, glory, and praises is due. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. I don't know about you, but my heart has been challenged. Thank you, Brother Anthony, even though your voice is not what it should be. We want to thank you for helping us to worship. And I, I, I don't believe that we say this enough, but um, a Brother Anthony is truly sold out to giving himself into his worship. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And he helps us, I know he helps me, to get into it. And that, that's what it's all about, you know. We need to truly be able to give ourselves when we're worshiping God. Unfortunately, I believe the reason for the difficulties is because we allow situations in our lives and things around us that we keep our eyes on instead of on the things of Christ and it takes away from what I believe God would have us to be and do. I want to talk about the, practi the practical application of the gospel of Christ. The practical application of the gospel of Christ. And if I were to choose a, a theme, I would take it from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me, and we will begin to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, for connection. Um, but just, just to get us started, verse 17 says, and whatever you do, whether in words or in deed, whatever you do, whether in words or deed, I believe that this is a major spiritual truth for all of us who are called by his name. Believers must relate to their motives. In other words, why do we do what we do? Those of us who are singing 
and can sing, to God be the glory. But why do you do it? The ushers who are ushering, why do you do it? When you come through those doors, why do you come in to this place? It is because it's expected of us, because our grandparents did it, our parents did it, and it's expected of us. Why are we here? That's an inward look. Every aspect of our lives is and should be as unto the Lord. Every aspect of our lives. Believers do not live for himself. And uh, if there was a spot I'd like to stop and sit is right there. Believers do not live for themselves. And I, I believe that we miss that sometimes when we are doing whatever we are doing for Christ, we think that we are doing the body of Christ a favor. No, you're not. The mandate is for us to nourish one another, whether it's in psalms or songs or, or a good word, whatever you do. If you saw a bulletin this morning, I put a number of scriptures there. Uh, verse 23, of course, of, of uh, Colossians chapter 3, Romans 14, verse 7 through 9, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 30, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, Ephesians 6 and 7, 1 Peter 4, 11. I'd, someday if the Lord be not coming, the opportunity is given, I'm going to take those verses and I'd like to put a message together just using them. But that's not the purpose for tonight, even though you are going to hear them all through my theme tonight. This truth could um, revolutionize the modern or West, modern and Western uh, individual-focused church if we were to take these scriptures and let them speak to us. The three areas that I would look at, though, for tonight will be the spiritual life, the social life, and the vocational life. Permit me then to begin to read from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. To whom? To God. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in words or in deed, 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching. May I say to you, when we look at this word teaching, it has the thought of instruction or training. As we read the verses that follows, we will observe that the gospel touches every area of the spiritual, social, and vocational. Let's look at the spiritual life. Teaching and admonishing one another, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, in words or deeds, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The gospel is truly accepted and applied whenever we are able to relate our religious life or lives, both personally and corporately. First of all, when we are born again into the family of God, there should be singing in our hearts. Our worship life will be expressed in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Now, I believe this with all of my heart. I'm, I cannot sing for you. I mean, I, I'm not going to try. But Brother Anton can do that. Because that's his gift. But let me tell you, my experience has been, as I worked uh, with Patelco, I used to be at one point in charge of Delaport and life with key exchanges. And I just love to be in those places by myself. As a newborn believer, only the equipment I could hear around me, no one else is there, and I am singing to the top of my voice. And um, I'm glad nobody else was there. But there was a peace and a joy that I experienced after the new birth that I cannot explain because I never used to sing before. I said very little before, but 
somehow there was psalms and there were hymns and I still don't mind singing in, in the shower. But my point is there should be some kind of desire to, to give praise and thanks unto God. Our worship life will be expressed in songs. Just repeating God's word, hymns, songs, and the grace, knowing what God's grace has done for us, we cannot but to give praise and thanks to God. But you know something? If I may say so myself, when I sang back then, I can say that I sang enthusiastically. I wasn't edifying anybody, I was edifying myself, but it was enthusiastic and I was being edified. But it doesn't stop there. We should use this as a time of instruction as well as demonstrating the teaching and even warning of God's word to our fellow men. Someone put it this way, and I agree wholeheartedly. For good and for evil, the hymns of the Christian church have largely influenced her theology. And that's why it's important for us, whenever we sing, make sure the songs are based on God's word. Because if not, you can get the wrong idea about why we are doing what we are doing. Singing is always, however, associated with redemption. I don't know if you get where I'm coming from yet. But because I was born again into the family of God, I sing. This, of course, can be illustrated in the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. You undoubtedly remember the story quite well. The song of Moses was born out of the great redemption act of God, which he brought his people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Moses was victorious through the power of God to lead the children out of Egypt. God always have a plan. Whether we see it or know it or not, God has a plan. God's plan was not over when the children of Israel 
went out. They came to the Red Sea and it was for a purpose. And the purpose was to give the idea that they were just wandering in the desert and didn't know where they were going. But they found themselves in the front of the Red Sea. And one morning or day sometime, they looked behind and they saw a cloud of dust. And they realized, hey, the Egyptians are coming. These were men who were trained to do whatever they were told. On the left, they had mountains, they had deserts, and they couldn't go back. And the Red Sea was right in the front of them. And they begin to do what we always do best. They begin to complain. They complain to Moses. They says, Moses, we told you to leave us alone. Were there no graves in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here to be killed? But Moses, under the power of the Holy Spirit, said to them, be still. And that's what we need to do in our lives when we cannot make out head or tail. Be still. And know that God is in control. And Moses cried out to God, of course. And God says, stretch the rod across the sea. The sea divided. And the waters were as walls on both sides. I cannot begin to imagine what that looked like. But they were able, according to God's word, to walk across on dry land. Now, there are those who will tell us that, of course, at a certain time of the year, the certain parts of the Red Sea was so dry that you could walk across. And I don't have any problems with that. I believe God. He said there were walls on both sides, water. But what encourages me is that the same water that they were able to walk through on if it was only a timberful was enough to drown Moses and his whole army or Pharaoh and his whole army so as far as I'm concerned it doesn't matter whether it was a timber of water or walls of water the difference was there was not one recorded Israelite who died crossing the Red Sea but there was not one Egyptian who survived but God. That was God's doing. And he said he wanted to set an example. And Mo, if you remember, Moses' song was about the fear that will come in the hearts of all the enemies that they will come in contact with because of what God had done. 
but there is also the singing of the Lamb. The song of the Lamb comes out of Calvary, where the spotless Lamb of God, the one who was crucified in your stead and in mine, the one who brought redemption plan to man. We one day will be able to sing that redemption song that angels cannot sing because they don't know anything about redemption. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to being able to sing the redemption song. But let's look at B, speaking. Whatever we do in words or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't believe anything loosen the tongues like the gospel of Jesus Christ. The initial evidence, I believe, that a person is truly born again into the family of God is when he begins to confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus. But you know something? It's unfortunate. But we have some today who tries to give the impression that being born again into the family of God is a very difficult thing. But may I say to you, that was not God's plan at all. For instance, Romans chapter 10 verse 9. It, this is as clear as it could come. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him, that is Jesus, from the dead, you will be saved. Now, is there anything so difficult about that? But if you listen to some people, it is more than this. But that's what God's word says. In other words, if we truly believe that God sent Jesus Christ into this world to die where you should have died and where I should have died, and that he raised him up, and that you believe that what he did was for you, you will be saved. I, I, it, it can't come more simple than that. So don't let anybody discourage you. Don't be like Naaman. You know, he, he was told, if you, if you were told by the prophet to go and do something great, Master, wouldn't, would you not have done it? 
and truly he would have taken a delight in doing it. But all the prophet did was send a message to Naaman and say, go dip three times in a dirty body of water as he saw it. But that's all it was. That all, that's all it took for him to be cleansed from his leprosy. And this is the same God we are talking about. But let's look at C. Serving. Whether you do, or whatever you do, in words or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. I believe that if singing flows out of the grace of Christ and speaking is the outcome of the gospel of Christ, then serving is indeed the consequences of our gratitude to Christ. In other words, we should serve because of our gratitude. We should serve because of what Christ has done for us. But you don't pick that up when you look around Calvary Bible Church. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm going to talk to Calvary Bible Church. Because we seem to think that when we serve, we are doing a favor to the leadership or whoever. But you're not doing any favor to the leadership. This should be done as you were doing it unto Christ. That's, that's what it's all about. Whatever the services are, we shouldn't have to pay for everything around here. But most of it we do if you want service. That's not the way it used to be. Evangelism, well, let, let me back up a bit. And, and, and let me just ask this question, because um, and I'm not asking you to answer me because I'm not important. I'd like you to answer it for yourself and to God. Has your spiritual life been affected by the gospel of Christ? And if it has, are you singing, speaking, serving for the sake of the Lord Jesus? That's between you and the Lord. May I say to you the practical application of this message of life goes beyond the spiritual life. Secondly, I'd like to look at the social. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And it's going to teach us about wives, husbands, children.
evangelicals have often been accused of a false application of the Christian message because they do not preach what is known as the social gospel. But that is something else. Be it as it may, the gospel does have a social application. Indeed, the gospel of Christ teaches A, concerning wives. It says, wives, submit yourself to your own husband as is fitting unto the Lord. Here is a call for a loving submission to the headship of the husband. Here is also a clear statement that love and loyalty should be to the husband and not another man. If the gospel is truly dwelling within a woman or in a woman's heart, she will seek to demonstrate her oneness with her husband by an activity, an attitude of loving submission to her own husband. But secondly, and I'm going to speed this up because time is gone, husbands, verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with her. Here is a call for loving affection to our wives. How easy it is for a man to be distracted by his business, commitments, or his attitude by his social conducts as to lose the warmth and the loving affection for his wife and very often to be bitter towards her. To do this is to belie his genuine acceptance of the gospel of Christ. But see, concerning parents, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Here is a call for a loving attention to the children. Someone has said that juvenile delinquency is primarily traceable to the adult delinquency. I don't know if you get that. But wherever you have children delinquency, check the parents. If children were only brought up in a home where the authority of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God was honored and obeyed, there would be no broken home or divided family. Children are very sensitive 
to an unstable and irritable parent. And they are soon discouraged and broken in spirit. Such a state of affairs is contrary, if I may say so, to the purpose of God or the benefit of the gospel. D, concerning children. Children obey your parents in all things. Here is a call for loving intention on the part of the children for their parents. If you want to be pleasing to the Lord, then the word of God is saying, obey your parents in all things, submitting to all they teach and practice. And watch this now. In accordance with the Bible and the Lordship of Christ, because you may be teaching your children, but you may not use these guidelines. And that can become a problem. The volitional, if I can wrap up now. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Servants and masters, it talks about here. Yes, the gospel definitely has a word to say about servants or employer and employee. Slaves, verse 22, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything. These words call for honesty in serving your master. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. It might be helpful or it might help us to remember that cheerfulness or joyfulness is the atmosphere under which all things thrive. And that is where we find hope. And since you know that you will receive an inheritance, not from man, but an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, Shouldn't it be the Lord Christ you are serving? Imagine what would happen if these glorious principles were worked out in all of labor today. There would be no more strikes. You wouldn't have any need for Unions. Can you imagine? If we would allow efficiency 
and enthusiasm about whatever it is that we do. And, of course, dependability. Because that is totally, seemingly totally missing, especially when it comes to the public union. They will tell you right now, let's work to rule. They were working to rule for the past 10 years, but now they have something to complain about. And they're going to stop working altogether. That's the way they do it, in order to get the attention of those who are in authority. But if we were working as unto the Lord, may I say to you, we wouldn't be paying what we are for grocery every week. I don't know if that makes any sense. But you won't have as much stealing going on. And the man will probably wake up on a Friday morning and think of your name and say, give Johnny a raise. But he's wondering whether or not he has enough. He made enough that month to pay his staff. So he's definitely not going to say that. May I say to you tonight, all I'm trying to say is let's make sure that whatever it is that we are doing, don't act as if you're doing it for anyone but for the Lord. And I can guarantee you there will be a peace that you experience that you never experienced before. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for our time together tonight, Lord. I pray, as I prayed earlier, you promised that your word will not return unto you word, but it will accomplish that unto which you have sent it. So, Father God, I commit and commend your word to you tonight. Take it, use it, and be glorified through it because it's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. I give you thanks and praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you very much, and go in peace.